Hi, it's Tony Kornheiser. The podcast is coming up in just a moment, but the sales weasels have got some sponsorships up front. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Kevin knows the swing. Everybody who plays golf has to understand their swing. Where do they hit the ball, and where does the ball go after they hit it? And you think, what is he talking about? Well, no, because it's how you shape a shot. It's what you're comfortable with. It's where you stand. It's where you put the ball. It's all of those things. Kevin, when he drives the ball, and Kevin can hit it long. He hits it 230, 240 when he bombs it. Big, Big hitter. hitter. Big hitter. Big hitter. <laughs> On your deathbed, you will receive total... So the Tony Kornheiser Show is on Which is nice. Now. Sorry to interrupt Kim like that. <laughs> I forgot that she comes on the show at the beginning. Um, all right, so this is the open of the show, and we're going to concentrate on baseball, even though Jason Lockwood 4 is going to join us, and, and we'll ask him a little about the Orioles. We're going to concentrate on baseball here. We are now set in the League Championship Series Texas is playing Houston, an in-state rivalry. That that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. And Philadelphia, which won last night, uh, more home runs, is going to play Arizona. And it's hard for me to believe Philadelphia is going to take Arizona seriously, right? Uh, when you're producing home runs at that clip, and your starting pitching can do it, you have their number one and do, and they can reset. Yeah. And Suarez, under the radar, continues to get it done. Yeah. So let me it completely um, neutralizes what was the best offensive in baseball. Yeah. Tied for the most home runs in the history of baseball, particularly they, at the top of the game. Did they hit any home runs last night? Uh, they did. They got the they got the one nothing read uh, lead, okay. and then uh, Castellanos in the bottom of the inning immediately hits it out. Right. Well, if they got only one last night, that means that Bryce Harper and Castellanos, each having four in the series, had as many home runs as the entire Atlanta team, a team that set or tied the all time record for most home runs in a season. The Bryce Harper thing is complicated for me. The Philly thing is complicated, but the Bryce Harper thing is particularly complicated. Bryce Harper was the greatest everyday player in the history, the small history of the Washington Nationals franchise. He's the only one who was ever an MVP. I'm saying everyday player because I think I could make the case for Max Scherzer, but I'm I'm not going to do it. He's the greatest everyday player in the history of of the franchise. And it makes you realize how short the window that we had with Soto was. Yeah. Soto was here for an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It's Harper. 
And then Harper leaves. It's okay if you leave. Nobody begrudged Anthony Rendon leaving and going to San Diego or California, wherever he went. Nobody begrudged that because it was so far away. And Anthony Rendon did not have a hold on the city the way Bryce Harper did. Harper went to the next National League city up the road. Went a couple of hours away to Philadelphia. And he's always talking about how great Philadelphia is, as if the first six years of his life in Washington in baseball didn't matter at all. He got a tremendous amount of money. When he signed, it was more money, not more per year, but more aggregate money than anybody had ever signed for. And I didn't, it's okay. It's okay. I consoled myself with the fact that the Washington Nationals won a World Series without him. I was never one of those who would boo him. I liked him. I like him still. I find myself rooting for him to win a World Series because he's a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's got two MVPs already. He's a Hall of Fame player. But I bemoan the fact that I look at the Phillies lineup and the first, second, and third guys are Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, who has two home runs in the series, I believe, and Bryce Harper, and they were all here. Turner had the first four-hit game for the franchise in a postseason game. <laughs> they were all here. They were all here. Yeah. I'm not going to say Schwarber's a complete player. I'd be foolish to say that. But he's an he's a incredible threat as the opening hitter in a game. He can put you... He had 47 He did home nothing runs. in the series. Nothing. And you, you're Scary. setting records for the division round with the amount of home yeah. runs. And he's striking out yeah. left and right. Yeah. Catch his fire. Look out. Turner yeah. is a great player. Yes. You, sort of, you have to separate this You think into he's the, thin, right? You think he, he looked looks, a little thin. He needs to take part in that Phillies cheesesteak challenge that all the opposing teams do when they come through the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Was he like 0 for 13 coming into the game last night? And then, like, first No, he had a home run the other night. Oh, he did? Okay. He had a home run the other night. And by the way, when he hits a home run as a thin guy, oh. <clears throat> his bat speed Textbook. is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, you just look at how you get that lift. It's no, just remarkable. For your, your complicated feelings towards Harper, I feel the same way. It's impossible not to want to watch him. Uh, but you watch, yeah. you watch the way the crowd responds, and you want to go, this is the same crowd that booed you louder than everyone else, and we are the ones who actually defended you when you were voted by every every person in baseball as, as the, the worst. most overrated player. <coughs> uh, there's a calculated stoicism to everything that he does on the field, which I am fine with, the way that he gives you non-answer answers in the post-game pressers. <coughs> but when he steps into the box, you think he's going to just completely own that at-bat. Because he's a great player who wants to be a great player, who comes up to the big moment and makes everything personal. He has all those characteristics of greatness. Bryce Harper does. It's just, um, I will also point out about the Philadelphia franchise, Cole Hamels pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies hit Harper. The second at bat he had. Yeah. Hit him in the head, I think. Because on the first at bat, he got a single and he stretched it into a double and he casually threw off his helmet and did all of that. And then and he Hamill, stole home, right? Yeah. yeah and then, Hamill said, really? Yeah. I'm hitting this guy and hit him. Yeah. So. And uh, the, what's interesting is you look at the way he walks up and down the dugout and he has a sense of when the camera is even near him nice. and he covers the mouth. He's he's basically handing out the aura of Bryce Harper to everybody else. And you look That's at the right. trickle down and effect. And he wants now, to do that. And he was raised saying, hey, to do that. We have, the postseason is different. And you look at the way that, that he was hitting in the last two games. Hmm. And all of their players 
the relievers have really long hair and they cheat. They put goop in their hair. We all know they put goop. <laughs> well, it's in amazing. Hair. Three years ago, it felt like their uh, their bullpen couldn't get anybody out, and now that looks like a strength. The other series that that's Philly Arizona. It's, it's impossible for me to pick Arizona. It's just totally impossible. Do you think it's a sweep? I do, but I, I I'm not. I would be surprised if it is. I I don't think they're going to win. That's a four game. That's hard. You know, four game sweeps hard. Texas and Houston is interesting, of course, because the possibility that Max Scherzer is going to get out on the mound against Justin Verlander. <laughs> Who wouldn't pay to see that? I don't care if it lasts one inning yeah. and Scherzer walks off holding his elbow. Who wouldn't pay to see that? Yeah. Right? You think they know their catalog of pitches? <laughs> well, two Hall of Fame guys. Yeah. There's only three guys going to the Hall of Fame for sure who are pitchers. There's Kershaw, there's Scherzer, and there's Verlander. And they were teammates in Detroit. They were teammates in the Mets for an hour and a half. And now they'd go against each other. There's also an interesting little factoid. And I, I don't even know if what I'm going to say is true. I'm not certain it's true. But I believe this to be true. That Dusty Baker and Bruce Boshi are going to manage against each other in a playoff series with, I believe, more total victories than any two managers have ever had in a playoff series. Now, you can say to me, well, what about a combination of Joe Torre, Tony La Russa, and Bobby Cox, all of whom have more victories than both those guys? But I would say to you, I'm not sure that at this advanced stage in their careers, they were against each other in a playoff series. At the moment, I think, I think Dusty Baker has the sixth most victories of all time and Bruce Boshi has the 10th most. And they're at the end. They're yeah. in their 60s and 70s. I'm not sure that was true. I don't know how many victories Larusa had if, for example, he went up against Cox in the, the NLCS, you know, when he was with the Cardinals and Cox was with the Braves. So I'm taking a shot at this. The only one that would be greater would be if Connie Mack and John McGraw went against each other in a World Series, because in those days, that was only the World Series. Yeah. I don't know. It's the only one with the potential the to be A's, greater. The A's and the Giants, I'm not sure if they met. I, they it's the only have. one that would potentially be greater. Don't you find that a little... I, I'd like to make sure that I'm right. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm speculating here. So they both have over 2,000. Dusty is 7th, 2,100. 10th, yeah, 2093. And, and they've, what I'm saying is they've arrived to play each other when they have all these victories. Yeah. And I don't know that LaRusa and Cox, if they had that in a playoff series, had all those victories by then. Yeah, I would have to. You know? Yeah, I'll look that up. So it's hard. I think it's a hard uh, thing to look up. You got to do a lot of math. But I found that, I mean, I found that pretty interesting. No, it's the only thing I thought of that was original in my life. Do you still have a soft spot in your heart for Dusty from his time here? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not like Wilbon who says I root for Dusty no matter what, <laughs> you know, but I do. And I, he's a Hall of Fame manager. He will get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Boshi will get in the Hall oh, of Fame. Yeah, they walk in. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, yes, Dusty Baker, I don't, I liked him very much when he was here. I'm happy that he won. I'm happy he won with a non-cheating team. Yeah. I'm happy about that. Um you know, but it's, and so because he won, it's okay if he doesn't win here. Because he won. It's all right. You know, so I don't, know, I don't even know who the manager of Arizona, Tori Lovello or something like that. Oh, yeah. Is that he's, his name? Yeah, he used to be with the Red Sox. I think might have been a bench coach of, yeah. with Frank Cohn or something and like that. And the manager of the Phillies is Rob Thompson, who. The Midas Touch. Walked in in the middle of last year 
<laughs> just, and, and it's impossible not to say that the manager was holding them back. Right? Yeah. That Girardi was holding. Of course he was. Because this guy walks and in, just, goes you, to the World Series one year and has a shot. That you hits. look at the effect on that on that dugout versus on the other side of the line and snicker you know, before the game. Are you gonna Are you gonna actually pitch to Bryce Harper? Well, we're gonna see. Uh, we're just gonna trust we'll that three, we'll start getting some more hits. Yeah, three balls and then intentional yeah. and the first at bat. You know, they're not really pitching to Bryce Harper. It's just like, why would you really pitch to your Don Alvarez? Oh. Why would you do that? <laughs> right. yeah. Were you nuts? Yeah. Why would you do that? All right. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll start the show. Jason Lockenfora joins us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Last week I didn't know how to tell a touchdown from a safety or a field goal. Now I love Travis Kelsey, but it don't stop there at all. I've got a Lanny Dawson poster on my bedroom wall. Did you know Lamar Hunt's daughter named the Super Bowl? She might be a Swifty, but she's probably kind of old. There's Taylor tickets for next week that just came up on Reddit, but there's an Eddie Podolak card on eBay. I might have to get it. Oh, Taylor is my hero. Travis is the dude. But Otis Taylor is the man. Hope I'm not being rude. He was tall. He could catch and oh so fast and shifty. That's the latest from KC. From this diehard Swifty. Oh, Welcome to KC, welcome to KC, it's been waiting for you, welcome to KC, welcome to KC, welcome to KC, it's been waiting for you, welcome to KC. The brilliant Dan Byrne, (laughs) integrating Taylor Swift into a song very easily. We have this from Stan Longoffer in Wichita, Kansas, listening to the podcast yesterday where Mark Feinsand mentioned he met a little... Got me wondering what the fans would be called if Taylor Swift was a regular guest on your podcast. Swiddles? Lifties? <laughs> I don't know. It plays in Jason Locke and Fora, and I have to read this introduction. We're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Locke and Fora, host of the Odyssey original podcast, In the Huddle, covering the entire NFL. I guess this leads me to have to ask you about the game last night, which I did not watch one minute of because I was watching miss much. baseball. <laughs> Kansas City... Won by 11. I think the spread was 10 and a half, and they won mm-hmm. by 11. I guess Denver is distinguished because they only gave up 19 points. I mean, is there anything yeah. to talk about with that game? 
Well, I'm wondering if Taylor Swift has any ideas for the Chiefs' red zone. Really, was my <laughs> primary takeaway. Yeah, because they weren't good in the uh, red zone. It lacked sort of uh, panache. It, it lacked a finishing, uh, cutting edge. Um, it it kind of lacked even a little creativity. And there were some areas in that game where the Chiefs got a little too cute for their own good with some of their play calling and some of their end arounds. And you know, they like to. Razzle dazzle. They had a hook and, and ladder play that was pretty pretty cute. Um, whether it was designed or improvised by Kelsey, but they have a lot of trouble scoring the ball. Way more than we're accustomed to. And and you know some of what people expected when they traded Tyree Kill ha- has in fact settled in now. It did not prevent yeah. them obviously from yeah. winning uh, Super Bowl. You know Super Bowl a Lombardi Trophy, but it's a struggle right now and. You know, I'll go back to something I wrote about a little bit in the Washington Post very early in the season. Um, in fact, it was after the Lions game talking to some people around the league. They've got to get another receiver. They they, they do. Um, they need a different body type. They need somebody with something of a proven track record to sort of augment that Kelsey thing because even that Kelsey thing, which is still really, really robust between the 20s, is not finishing drives the way they they need it to. Um, you haven't seen Jarek McKinnon show up. I mean, Jarek McKinnon was a touchdown machine for them in the second half last year and really um, kept that, that engine humming uh, in terms of, you know, six and not three. And that's not there this year. Um, it's just uh, – Something, something's amiss, and they, they could use a personnel injection. Okay. All right. I'm going to come back to football, but I want to okay. talk to you about baseball because you know about baseball, and you know about mm-hmm. the Orioles, and they were swept. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you your thoughts about what happened, and then the, that's the smaller context. The larger context is all 300-win teams are out. Yeah. They're all out. So what do you think? What happened with the Orioles? Well... You know, I think there's a, a multitude of factors here. It was it was a new uh, platform, a new plateau for almost everybody on that on that roster and in that organization. There, you, you have a real short list of people to find who have done the job that they're being asked to do in this series um, compared to anything they've ever done in their baseball career. There's not a lot of postseason there. There. Um, so I think that was a factor. I think such a prolonged layoff clearly. It impacted them, and, and whether there's also a line you can draw from them to the Dodgers, to the Braves, um, et cetera, I'm sure we'll continue to debate that, and we'll see if MLB and the MLBPA make any sort of corrective measures there. It, it, it seems to be an extreme layoff, and it also seems to be a bit unfair that you know that there could be these off days for the lesser team around, you know, go first before they start their playoff series, and then. If they do win in two games, another you know couple of days off before they start the AL or NLDS, so they can kind of reset their pitching. Which I mean, I thought that the whole sort of idea here was that those guys have to keep sprinting while the you know the better regular season teams got to catch their breath. I agree so, with you. I so agree that, with you. It's a daily they start sport. Those series later, or whether they make those series longer, that they automatically bleed right in. I I, I don't know. But I'm guessing they'll talk about that. And yeah. then, look, the Orioles, yeah. um, 
they, a lot of their key cogs in that machine were slumping offensively going into the series and not having quality at-bats. And some guys got stuck in some bad habits, I think, of swinging from their heels a little too much and getting caught up in pull-side power, and, and that really hurt them. Um, they had a chance to win game one. That was the closest game by far. They had an ill-fated hit and run on. Um, Gunnar Henderson gets thrown out at second base. Uh and and things just kind of dis- disintegrated from there. I do not think the manager had a good series by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I found it to be incredibly troubling, and it raises major questions for me as to whether he will be the tactician to get them over the top. There is no doubt in my mind that he is a leader of men. He is a builder of culture. He is a shoulder they can cry on. He is the, the perfect voice in the morning to cheer them back up. They love playing for him. They play hard for him. Him against Bochi in a playoff series, Bochi could be managing the bad news bears. I'm putting my money on Bochi. So this is this leads to another question. Everybody in the Orioles was new to the playoffs. Yeah. And the Texas Rangers, though as a team, they hadn't been there in a long time. They had Corey Seager, they had Simeon, they had Avaldi, yeah. and they had Bochi. So they had experience. I mean, to me, uh, it's a very successful season by by the Orioles, and it's possible. It is possible that Texas is the hottest team in, in the yeah. sport right now, right? It, it absolutely is. And none of, none, of, none of what I said is to diminish what, what they have done as an organization. And That's I think right. also for Texas, though, those guys, you know, Seager had his walks, you know, and all that. They, they, they you know, Josh Young hit a couple baseballs to the moon. Evan Carter had one of the biggest hits in the season. I mean, Josh Young missed most of the second half of the in- of the season with injury, which allowed open the door for Gunnar Henderson to run away with the American League Rookie of the Year. And Evan Carter just got called up a few weeks ago. I mean, I don't know that Evan Carter had played a home game because of the way that their schedule had lined mm-hmm. up, or certainly not many. And they really contributed too. So, um, yes, they had a lot of people rise to the moment, but I, I still believe that the Orioles also had a lot of their players mm-hmm. not put in the best positions to succeed in some of the matchups that for whatever reason this manager favored, including some of the roster decisions, really left uh, some people scratching their heads. They're going to have a 19-year-old shortstop. He's 19 now. He'll be 20 when he plays. they're going to put him at second base. going to put him at second. We'll he yeah. may eventually play short. I mean, these are Jackson Holiday. to have. Yeah, like whether or not he can displace yeah. the 22-year-old shortstop. But, yes, Jackson Holiday. I'm not sure it'll be for opening day, Tony. But no, I'm but it'll be at some point. It's like the by kid Cruz yes. in I, Washington. I think by He's Memorial coming. Day, yeah. um, at probably the latest, yes, he will okay. um, join this already uh, elite, young, talented group. Let me get back to football. Okay. <clears throat> it's not a really big week. 49ers and the Eagles are out in front. In hindsight, if either of them lose, that's going to be the biggest story because yeah. one is playing the Jets and one, well, you know, at Cleveland, yeah, but they don't even have Deshaun Watson. They have no, no. offense. They have no offense. No. So you don't think either of them can Although... Undefeated teams lose these kinds of games. Sure. They don't lose games against right. Buffalo and Kansas City. They don't. So right. Right. what do you think? Um, I, I think that this Cleveland quarterback situation is um, yeah. uh, going to be a way too bitter of a pill for them to swallow. That The young man, um, Thompson Robinson, is, is, he was a dervish in the preseason. That doesn't really matter. Um, he was not by any means ready to play a professional football game when he faced the Baltimore Ravens a few weeks ago, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to make the kind of gains necessary to make in that offense to, to change a whole lot going against the best team in football yeah, two Francisco. weeks later. I don't think yeah. that's, you know, he needs a mini camp and an OTA, you know, spring of OTAs and a lot of other stuff that ain't going to happen in October. 
Um, and San Francisco is so balanced, I think they can beat them a bunch of different ways. I also think if you if you kind of drill down on that Browns defense, as great as it's been, or you even just go back and research um, some of the meetings between Kyle Shanahan and Jim Schwartz in the past, I think they're going to be really compromised as a defense to stop the outside zone running attack. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I okay. think that, that the 49ers are in distinct advantage. Um, and yeah, the Browns are coming off a bye, but the 49ers also are coming off a month spent in their own beds. I mean, they've played three straight home games. Um, you know, look, I, I, I think the Jets, because of their defense, can can hang around in games and probably will hang around in this game, but you, you can you can run the ball on them, and I think the Eagles might just set their mind to having enough volume there that they wear those guys down. Um, and they ran Hurts more in this last game than really they had all season long, and I, I do wonder if that's something that they you know continue to lean into um, a little bit more. And the pass rush, especially from the edge, has not been anything like it was a year ago for the Eagles. The interior pass rush with Jalen Carter is still pretty interesting. Um, but given the composition of the Jets' offensive line, I, I, I think that yeah. this is a game where the Eagles start to feast a little bit. Okay. I got one other question. This is, this is the third week in a row we're going to have a game in London. It's yeah. not going to have Jacksonville. No. Do you go to London by choice, or are you ordered to go to London? And if you are ordered to go to London, what is the recompense like, do you get a buy? I mean, how does it work? Well, yeah, it used to be built into the cake, but now you have options um, of whether you want to take that week off or not take that week off. Um, you know, and we've, we've seen it kind of work a couple different ways, and, and that that part of the process changed, I believe it was last year. I don't think it was the year before that. Um, you know, so you can decide. Like, the Ravens are going to come home, and they're going to play the Lions next week. They're not... You know, their bye comes very much in the late season. In fact, mm-hmm. I think they still go out west at least once and maybe twice before they actually get get their week off. Other teams very much want to take it, um, you know, as soon as, as they play there. Um, in terms of how you land there, I mean, Jacksonville's got their own sort of set of arrangements. Um, they are sort of the de facto London team and yeah. – and, and I think that you're going to eventually see them play at least four home games over there, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Otherwise, it's usually teams who are in the process of getting a stadium built or getting major stadium renovations, help, you know, in part funded by the league's sort of internal G3 or whatever they call it, funding program. So it's like, okay, well, we're going to help you, you know what I mean, pay for your infrastructure, right. but you're going to take one for the team. And since your facility isn't completely first rate, right, or, or your new facility isn't even built yet, like in the case of you know, what the bills are getting done, um, and obviously, the, the you know the Titans are getting their new whatever one point whatever billion stadium uh, <clears throat> built in Nashville or are trying to that. Those are the teams who, by and large, end up playing. Over okay, there. well that makes and sense. And they sort of lose that home gate. But yeah. trust me, everybody's still making money oh, on the games over there. You know, there's seventy five thousand people there, so they'll all be all right, Tom. Thank you, Jason. Do you want to hear the... You got it, buddy. Let me give you this. I want you to hear this. It was written for me. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaConfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Isn't that nice? You you are killing those reads. I am trying. Thank you. Jason LaConfora, boys <laughs> and girls. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back maybe with James Carville, certainly with Jeff Ma. I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser this is the Pat McGee Band. And Pat thanks us for playing Elegy for Amy on the last show. And if they haven't worn out their welcome, they sent a song called Broken Heart. And he says, Pat says, I'm inviting you and your listeners to join the Pat McGee Band and John Popper from Blues Traveler at the concert to rock cancer to be held at the Capitol One Hall in Tysons, Virginia. That is tomorrow night. The night supports We Rock Cancer, a DMV-based organization that provides free skin cancer screenings at music and sporting events and for at-risk workers in sun-intense occupations. Tomorrow night, October 14th, tickets are available now at Ticketmaster. It is a very good cause. Thank you to Pat McGee and the, and the band for the song Broken Heart. Plays in James Carville, and I have an introduction I have to read. Yeah, I want to read. This week's picks with James Carville and Jeff Maher brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment count. Actually, it's make every moment more. Why did I say make every moment count? What's that's somebody else's tag, right? <laughs> right yeah, make every moment more. How stupid <laughs> am I? Uh, James last week was three and three, which is okay. He's nineteen and seventeen. At one point, he took Kent State over Ohio plus twenty six and a half, and the final score was twenty five. He took the over on the Jets Denver over forty three. And they tried a two-point conversion when they had 42 points and it failed. And there was a penalty and they tried it again and they got it. <laughs> so you had two great wins. How do you feel about those wins? You know, the wins you take and you get them and you're happy, but you don't think about the losses, you know, when Sky fumbles on the goal line and somebody yeah. takes it the whole way. And, uh, uh, you know, the Gellman guards, they, they fought on both sides equally. <laughs> they probably do, but when I was watching that Jets game, I was yeah, concentrating yeah. on your number. <laughs> and when they threw the flag, I said, oh, he gets another chance, and they got it. So that was that was pretty good. All right, what do you got for us this week? Uh, uh, Michigan State and Rutgers, right? Yeah. Highly anticipated uh, game out of the, the mighty Big Ten. And Michigan lay five and take Michigan State. You're not worried about the this, the coaching disaster there and the ripple effect. It's it, only one one word, one word, Tony Rutgers. Okay. Rutgers, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. This is not an endorsement of one side or the other. Okay. And this highly anticipated game, the Bowling Green travels to Buffalo. Yeah. Appointment TV, if I ever see <laughs> yeah. appointment TV. Yeah. And we want to take the, the Falcons. By the way, that's Bowling Green. Yeah. 
we, we, we want the Falcons and we want the four and a half points. Okay, at Buffalo. Okay. At, I, I got to watch that, man. I can't. It, but. What else you got? And then Iowa, Wisconsin. Two, I'd say, storied programs in the Big Ten. Yep. I was getting 10 points. That's a lot. That's a lot to give Kirk Ferentz. Kirk yeah. Ferentz is, is a, a, a long-time coach, and he's a pretty good coach. He does a good job. There. I think he is the longest-serving coach in the Big Ten at the same place at Iowa. I think so. I think that's true. So, and gonna, he's done, you know, he's done well there. Yeah, you're going to take the 10. I'm going to take the 10. Okay, then what we else? Go, we go over to the NFL, and we see the... The, the big game we're picking this weekend, by the way, two plays, big game. One of my favorite nicknames of any team in all of professional sports, the Ravens, mm-hmm. play the Titans. Mm-hmm. Right? In London, yeah. In London. And uh, the Ravens are laying four and quote the Raven nevermore. So you are taking Tennessee. I'm taking the Ravens. Oh, you're taking the Ravens. Okay, in London. Okay, that's fine. I'm taking the Ravens minus four in yeah. London. They had a bad loss last week. They had a bad loss. They got to come up better than that. What else? Right. Seahawks go to Bengals, right? Yeah. Joe Burrow is, is on the road back. He's, He's back. For us. Okay. Plus two and a half. Uh, uh, minus two and a half. I'm sorry. Minus, take the two and a half points. Take Joe Burrow. Okay. At home. Okay. Uh, that that's and the Patriots mm. are fighting the Raiders and the, everybody assumes Bill Belichick is gone. The Patriots are getting three three points at Las Vegas. Uh, I think Bill Belichick has some. So you'll take Belichick. This is interesting because Josh McDaniels was his longtime offensive lieutenant, of course, and Belichick probably wants to beat him very, very much. And Jimmy Garoppolo played for Belichick uh, in New England, and Belichick probably has a pretty good way to defend Jimmy Garoppolo, right? So you'll take New England. I'm going to take New England. I think that he's... You know, he always doesn't have Brady needs not his teams are not what they used to be. Right. But he's still Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean people need to know he didn't forget how to coach. I mean, come on no. now. Come on. Um anything else if or is that the other coaches that talk to him, you know, you know, I, I bet you Saban talks to him four times a week. Of course. There's no question about that. No <laughs> and, question. And we you know, we might think he's hit with passes fine, but I don't in the game. Don't believe that. So those are your games. Well, six games. It should be seven. Well, then you left one out. Did you have the well, indie game? The double play. Did you have the indie? I, I, I got the Colts, the Bengals, the Patriots, the Ravens. That's four, right? Oh, you didn't tell us about the Colts. Tell us about the Colts. Oh, I didn't tell you about the Colts. All right. I, I, I like the Colts. Okay. At Jacksonville. Yes. Even though they got and, a substitute and, and, quarterback. Four and a half. They four and a half. Four and a half. Substitute quarterback, but Gardner Minshew's been very good. He's been very good. So, I, I, and you know, the Jaguars made a terrible high with Urban Meyer, but they've come back. Yes. Oh, that. Yeah, he was a disaster. All right. Four and a half is a lot. Okay. Thank you, James. You bet. James Carville, boys and girls. And now we'll try and get Jeff Ma. Carville quoting poetry for us. Yes. Quote the Ravens, nevermore. That's Edgar Allan Poe, for those of you who don't know who that is. And no, Edgar Allan Poe never coached. He never was a ball carrier or anything like that. 
Isn't there something that happens every single year at his gravesite? Don't people put things down on the gravesite? Yeah, put some kind of flower there, I think. Yeah, and and everybody sort of hangs out to see who's going to do that. <laughs> yes. You know, like the long-lost lover of Edgar Allan Poe, except that that long-lost lover would be 200 years old now. A wrong is underdressed until retribution overtakes the redresser. Is that Edgar Allan Poe? Cask of Amontillado. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that, that's we have one Jeff? Montresor. <laughs> Such a brilliant story, yes. We do have Jeff. Jeff Ma joins us now. Jeff had a bad week. Jeff was one in four. The only reason he won the one game was because he had a half-point situation, whereas other people had the full-point situation. Jeff is 11 and 18, and I, I hate to be the bearer of, of bad news, but what's happened to you? You're ahead of the monkey, but, you know, that's a monkey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, if you go back and you look at last week, um, you know, there was a combination of bad picks and bad luck. Uh, Buffalo, we talked about, looked like they um, weren't ready to get off, uh, you know, had, had, were jet lagged. And they probably yeah. should have gotten to, to London a little bit earlier because they, they didn't play particularly well and they got some pretty big injuries early in the game that um, led their defense to not be able to stop anything. Uh, but it does, did seem like Jacksonville was much more acclimated, and we talked a little bit about that. I and, said that. I warned but, you on that. I did. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we, we talked about it, and, right. on, and honestly, that's why I thought there was value, but but I was wrong. Um, the Baltimore game against Pittsburgh, I, I probably would still bet that again. Um, I think Baltimore, if Lamar Jackson plays a little better and his terrible. wide receivers catch some of those balls, there were right. guys wide open that were dropping balls. Right. Um, and. I, I feel like I take that one again. Uh, New England clearly is not the team they once were, and Mac Jones is struggling, and, and maybe Belichick is actually going to tank that and try to get Caleb Williams. And then um, Minnesota against Kansas City plus four. I mean, they get that pass interference call, and they get the man, you know, the guy taking off Legereus Le- Snee taking off his helmet. Yeah, um, they probably cover that game. So yeah. you know, it's it's things break your way and sometimes they don't break your way but it, it's hard to be 11 and 18 and look at what's going on and figure out you know how, how you fix this do you lose confidence oh uh, yeah in a situation like this i mean this year things have been tough um across the board and in, in football um generally in college and everything there's just it's just been a bad year there's you know you try to figure out like what is the market adjusted to i think the market might be a lot better these days at uh, accounting for injuries and and looking at injuries which is something i think that's pretty hard to quantify this week in college there's a lot of uh, weather issues in the in the great lakes region so there's a lot of uh, you know, unders that people have been betting and, um, you know, like does the market overreact to the weather? So, so yeah, the market is just getting more savvy, I think over time, because there's just more people entering mm-hmm. into the market. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it's hard to understand. Um, yeah, I think you do lose a little bit of confidence and you hope that things correct, but sometimes you think maybe, maybe you've lost your edge. I mean, I think we talk about this on bet the process all the time. The difference between blackjack and sports betting is, in blackjack, you always know what your edge is, and you never really, you never, re- you really know that you never lose it. And in sports betting, that's not the case because ultimately, these are humans, and the market is is uh, non-stationary, meaning it changes all the time, and so um, you can lose your edge. So I wonder, on bet the process, would you bring a psychiatrist in this week and just sort of say, "Help me"? 
I mean, I don't know if the psychiatrist <laughs> is going to help me. Unfortunately, I think, I think what's going to help me is to be able to make some good picks and um, really understand right. the data and, and look look harder at some of the data to understand are these, you know, is this been bad luck and, and are some of the assumptions that we generally make that go into these models, are they are they still true or not? Um, the psychiatrist might help me um, on a day-to-day basis, but it's not going to help me win more. All right, give us your picks then. <laughs> All right, long-awaited picks then. I'm going to take the Bengals minus the two-and-a-half. This is a team that sort of back and forth about on all season. Um, I think now they're finally getting healthy. Burrow looks like he's acclimated, um, and I like them minus the two-and-a-half against okay. the Seattle team. They can score points, but yep. will give up a ton of points also. What else? I'm going to take the Cardinals plus the seven. Um, you know, obviously the Rams um, – got some weapons etc but it, you know this is uh, too many points i think for a cardinals team that plays hard um you know last week they were sort of a josh dobbs silly pick six away from being in that game certainly winning that game at halftime beating leading that game at halftime and then they never really got back into it in the second half um so but i, I still think they're a competitive team and get, getting seven i like them here okay what else I'm going to take the Jets plus the seven. Really? Um, yeah, I, I, I still like what they do defensively. I like what they did last week against Denver, and um, I think Zach Wilson's getting better. He can't be getting worse. Can't. So um, <laughs> plus the seven here, I, I like that. And it, you know, Philly is very good, obviously, but they 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 play a style now that you know that they're just they play pretty slow, and yes. you know they obviously convert a lot, but they're they're not. They're not a team that I think will pile points on after afterwards. I think I think there's a chance that, that the Jets keep it within the number here. Okay, what else? I'm going to take the Chargers plus the two and a half on Monday night. They are one of the healthiest teams in the league, um, playing against you know at home. Even though we know they don't have a huge home field advantage against the Dallas um, Cowboys, who come off a drubbing and have got to be wondering what's going on. But I think the Chargers, you know, very talented team. Um, they're a team that the Sharps like because of their talent. Um, obviously, uh, Staley is someone that gives people pause from time to time, but I'm going to yes. take the Chargers plus the two and a half. Okay, and one more? I'm going to take one in college. I'm going to take Notre Dame minus the two and a half against USC. Uh, Notre Dame obviously uh, has been struggling um, a little bit, like with that game against Louisville. Uh, some coaching decisions probably put them in some difficult positions, but I just don't think USC is that good. I think that, you know, Caleb Williams is incredible. Obviously, I think, I think two, three years in the NFL, he's going to be one of the top three quarterbacks there. But I just don't think there's much around him that, that is, you know, the defense is pretty weak. It, last week against Arizona, they struggled to tackle. Uh, Notre Dame really does have a good defense, and I think they can give Williams some trouble. I think Arizona showed people last week what you can do against Williams with a lot of defensive backs um, and I, I like the Notre Dame I like this now. too because Notre Dame lost to Louisville I, I like this um, yeah and and USC has no defense at all I mean they just they just don't I like that all right thank you Jeff good luck we'll talk next week okay. thanks Jeff Ma the picks with James Carville and Jeff Ma have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook make every moment more I think the psychiatrist would help personally I think that's always a good idea but Jeff is confronting this. As you I'm, said, I'm rooting for Jeff. I'm rooting for him to go like four and one or five and zero. Oh. As you were saying that, I was thinking. Remember the the psychologist that went in to see the team and the natural. 
Yeah. Losing is a disease. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. I assume that's an organ of some kind. Or a synthesizer, yeah. Something. something. Sounds like 2010 in Owl City. It's just, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's really got a lot of sound to it. Always reminds me of it's the Buckley. Rod Lover Jr., not Rod Laver Jr., <laughs> Rod Lover Jr. Lover Jr. Yeah, yeah I don't remind- know if he can play tennis, but he can play whatever instrument that is. <laughs> That's lovely. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. And before we get to the mailbag, let me just say the problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if you take it logically. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. Now, that's a great song. That's Paul Simon. Forest Hill's own Paul Simon. And happy birthday, Paul. Yeah, today is his birthday. But... We on this show cannot <laughs> reference this song without what we did for years, 50 Ways to Cook a Chicken. Well, you can put it on the grill, Phil. Yeah. I mean, was, Don't forget the pan, Stan. It's just 50 Ways to Cook a Chicken. And that's running through my head all the time. <laughs> Thank you to our guests today, Jason Lockenfora, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thank you to our sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Let's get some of these things. Alex Lau, who's a frequent emailer and is usually funny and was funny on this one, says you're overlooking the hardest Mount Rushmore of all, the New York Jets Mount Rushmore. You've got to choose between the likes of greats like Joe Namath. Um, no, that's it. That's it. The New York Jets Mount Rushmore is one person. It's Joe Namath. Uh, Patrick Sitter, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I live in South Dakota. Here's who's on South Dakota's Mount Rushmore. Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln. Any questions? Yeah, because it's the actual Mount Rushmore. Um, Abraham, Silver Spring, Maryland. If you think Baltimore and New York Mount Rushmore is hard, take a crack at the Mount Rushmore of Jacksonville sports. Maurice Jones, Drew, sure. Paul Peluzny, Mercedes Lewis, Fred Taylor, and possibly a night manager of one of the many waffle houses in the greater Jacksonville area. Um, let's see, from Derek in Akron, Ohio. Forget the Orioles. The real dilemma lies with the Mount Rushmore in Cleveland, where football is king. After Jim Brown and Otto Graham, there's just too many to choose from. Derek Anderson, Colt McCoy, Trent Richardson, Kellen Winslow Jr., Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel. I'll let you make the choice for Northeast Ohio. From Mike Villarosa, who is a chef in Chicago. This, how do you pronounce that? C- cacao Pepe? Oh, keep going with that one. Cacio e Pepe. Cacio Pepe. Cacio Pepe. It's a historic Roman pasta. They make sheep's milk there. The guy telling you it's made with Parmesan is a stone-cold liar. It's made with pecorino, sheep's milk, you rum-dum. So what do you think (laughs) of that? Get yourself some Locatelli. (laughs) From Bill Pitcher, our organist in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. Michael, I forgot. How many shakes of oregano are you grilling? 
Oh, this is going to be probably for our Chicken Chili Verde. Yeah, a good two shakes. Okay. Good two shakes. From Bennett Wise, the weekend sports anchor at WSBT in South Bend, Indiana, by way of Warrington, Virginia. (laughs) I had one of my first David Aldrich moments this weekend while covering Notre Dame versus Louisville. After being nearly trampled by flocks of Cardinals fans rushing the field for the upset victory over Notre Dame, my boss and I headed to Marcus Freeman's post-game press conference. We then ventured back to the press box to finish the wrap package. On our way up the elevator, my boss asked someone, did Jeff Brom have anything, is it Brom or Brom, the coach of Louisville, have anything good to say? The man chuckled and responded. Before seeing who it was, I slowly looked up and noticed the name of the credential, then the man's face, Pat Forty. At the time, my thoughts were, I hate that I have to do this, but now's my chance. When we got off the elevator, I said, hey, Pat, I feel obligated to say La Cheeserie. We both laughed at the ridiculous nature of this stinking show. I doubt it was the proper press box etiquette, so I left it at that. We both finished our work and headed home. P.S. I'd like to welcome George Mallet to Michiana. I recently glanced at the TV in the newsroom of our competitors at WNDU. I saw the lower third identify George and did a double take. The Littles are slowly taking over the South Bend media landscape. So Michiana must be Michigan and Indiana, that area. So George, if we ever cross paths, I'll make sure to give you the TK salute. From David Epstein in New York. The stories of school field trips remind me of my elder masculine child, Will, had his first one in kindergarten. We live in Manhattan and the field trip was going to be in a far-off land known as Staten Island. So with great anticipation, my inquisitive five-year-old son looked up at the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and asked, Mom, what's the climate like on Staten Island? Without missing a beat, my wife answered, Hostile, Will. (laughs) Hostile. (laughs) From Steve in Atlanta. Don't you think if the Jaguars are going to be playing so many games in London, can I interest you in starting a Waffle House franchise? You do have (laughs) restaurant experience. Mm. From Steve Gilmore in San Angelo, Texas. Here's all you need to know about the accordion from a quotation from Tom Waits. A gentleman is someone who can play the accordion but doesn't. (laughs) Tom Waits didn't really like that. Uh, Terry McLaurin cereal. You can get 75% off. Um, only a dollar fifty at the Soviet Safeway. This is for Ruck. We've got we had p- boxes of those. Yes, did we not. But a dollar fifty. That's yeah. a great deal. Yeah, yeah, that down. Here are the packages. Crunch time. Terry McLaurin's crunch time. From Keir Riley, oh, it just said spotted Monopoly this cards. sweatshirt for sale at a local <laughs> vintage in Dundee, Scotland. Let me look at this. Binghamton University. Yeah. Wow, in Scotland. Worldwide. What yeah. is it doing there? Well, it's- Edinburgh and Aberdeen have always been big fans of the back house. Big, yeah. big, big, big on the Colonials. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when we used to be the Colonials. Yeah, they love the Colonials, the yeah. From the Jimmy house. in New York City. Tim really went out of his way to say he wasn't addicted to avocados. Of course, that's exactly what someone would say if they were mercilessly, <laughs> mercilessly addicted to avocados. I'll hang up and listen. That's a good From point. Brian in Long Valley, New Jersey. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage was inspired to try McConnell's coffee ice cream due to the numerous ice cream mentions on the pot. So today, in one of my many trips to ShopRite, I tried to pick her up a pint. Much to my dismay, McConnell's coffee had been out of stock since September 25th. Hmm. I can only assume it's due to littles across New Jersey flocking to their local supermarket. To add insult to injury, I was cut off by a Subaru on the way home. It was a disappointing trip (laughs) on many levels. So Mm. this is, I'm going to insert this one now. This is from Dr. Rob Fiddler in Richmond, Virginia. Dear Dr. Grandpa, wanted to let you know about an ice cream gold mine not far from where you have been known to wander when you venture out of your basement. As noted in Chesapeake 
Chesapeake Bay Magazine, a truly wonderful publication. Chincoteague Island Creamery was just named the best ice cream shop in the country. The country. By USA Today. Wow. They both make their product with good old-fashioned moo cow milk, but mm. carry a fantastic coffee version and make their own delicious waffle cones on site. They have locations in Salisbury, Berlin, Maryland, and of course in Chincoteague, Virginia, near to the entrance of the state park there. If you cannot make the trip, I'm sure Nigel can get you some back uh, unmelted in in an ice pack Yeti cooler, <laughs> snugly wrapped up in a Johnny O quarter zip. Sure. Anxiously awaiting the podcast review, I will hang up and listen, Dr. Rob Fiddler, Richmond, Virginia. P.S. As the three boys are beginning to enter what we in the trade call the orthopedic years, also known as I Dare You, which comes only a few years before, hey, y'all, watch this. I offer my services as a pediatric radiologist <laughs> and would love to become the pediatric official x-ray doc of the podcast. It's amazing how quickly after school the shirt just comes off and they start wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So this Let's is, get it on. You know. uh, oh, uh, here's a haiku from Shad about golfing with Greg. We all hit great shots. We all hit pathetic shots, some more than others. Straight, no chaser, as little as most of us hope for affirmation from Tony that we are either smart or funny. Greg is both. He was also gracious in making feel, me feel comfortable with his friends. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And any jokes at my expense are either a lie or not. It's 50-50. I blame all my bad shots on wet grips and poor planning regarding a lack of rain gear. From uh, Elliot Rodberg, who lives in uh, Highland, Maryland. I live and work in Maryland, but I spent the first two weeks of October in Los Angeles for work. As a result of an earlier mailbag letter that you read, I learned Dan Byrne was on a West Coast tour. I looked it up and bought tickets to his one-night show at McCabe's Guitar Shop in Santa Monica, California on October 6th. It's a small venue, maybe 120 people. Nearly all of them seem to be Dan Byrne longtime fans and have been to many of his shows all around the country. He didn't sing any of his brilliant sports-related songs. He did one about Otani. But all his music is great. He didn't sing many of his brilliant sports show uh, sports-related songs and one about Otani. After the show, I waited, along with nearly the whole crowd of attendees, to say a few words to Dan. I felt I must let him know that at least one little was present since no lachiseries were called out all night. As the last person in line, I was the one left keeping Dan from packing up and leaving, but he was extremely gracious and kind anyway. And we talked for a minute or two. What a brilliant and nice person. Spoke to everyone, really talked to them. He never just sold a CD or signed a shirt and pushed them away, me included. Isn't that nice? That is lovely. That's why we love him. And from Bill Isaacson about George Stark. Can we keep talking about George Stark, the head hog? At Columbia, George graduated with Columbia's highest award, the John Jay Award. He led the football team in receptions as a tight end, and he was the center at one point on the second-ranked basketball team that included Jim McMillan, which went to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. And I thought Dave Newmark was the center, Bill, but maybe George Stark was the center. George is a big man, but not, you know, he's 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, he's not 7 feet tall like Dave Newmark, yeah. who was called Nice News Newmark. Nice I also news. know for a fact that as a favor to a lawyer friend from his NCAA team, he played as a ringer on the championship team in the 80s for the D.C. Lawyers Basketball League. And on top of that, there was George Stark's Head Hog Barbecue in Bethesda, right in Wisconsin Avenue. Yeah. There I witnessed the chef tossing our infant son Nick in the air and watched everyone in the restaurant react when baby Nick spit up onto his face. I wish Michael a lifetime of such great moments and say as to uh, George Stark, what a great legacy from Bill Isaacson. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. I'm on a first tee with him. I give him the driver. He hauls off in a wax one. Big hitter from the yeah. Long. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. <laughs> I'm a Swifty, 
Last week I didn't know how to tell a touchdown from a safety or a field goal. Now I love Travis Kelsey, but it don't stop there at all. I've got a Lanny Dawson poster on my bedroom wall. Did you know Lamar Hunt's daughter named the Super Bowl? She might be a Swifty, but she's probably kind of old. There's Taylor tickets for next week that just came up on Reddit. But there's an Eddie Puddle at card on eBay. I might have to get it. Oh, Taylor is my hero. Travis is the dude. But Otis Taylor is the man. Hope I'm not being rude. He was tall. He could catch and oh so fast and shifty. That's the latest from KC. From this diehard Swifty. Oh. Welcome to KC, welcome to KC, it's been waiting for you, welcome to KC, welcome to KC, welcome to KC, it's been waiting for you, welcome to KC.
just feel again But this is not the end We were worth these broke 